Hello, and welcome to Next Generation Behavioral Health. 10-minute tips for modernizing patient care. I'm Dr. Christina Armstrong. And I'm Dr. Julie Kidd. Today is a second part of an episode that we started last week when we were talking about the dark side of internet and smartphone use. Yeah, Christy, you've pretty much scared the pants off all of us by (laughs) reviewing the important research about how much our adolescents are using screens. What I'm hoping we could do today is talk about some practical tips for how to help our patients if we see that they might be using screens excessively, and especially with regard to when we're also prescribing screens. And maybe maybe that's where we could start. Christy, what's your opinion? I mean, are there some patients that we just should not recommend using mobile phones as part of treatment? Absolutely. Those would be if there's some kind of, this is a controversial topic, but if there's some kind of internet addiction aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the, the controversial part of that is you know, whether it's addiction or not and all that. And we're not going to get into that today. But if there's some issue in somebody's ability to limit their own screen time, if it's excessive, yeah, I would consider other options. Another contraindication would be if somebody has maybe a specific delusion about the government Mm. tracking them, then, you know, it's probably not going to be very helpful. It's a choice whether to use them or not. So what can we do to help this issue here? The first step in changing behavior is to first track the behavior. Right. So pay attention to how much time you are looking at your smartphone. I know my phone automatically does this. This is a new feature that came out this year. And if I just look in the the widgets of my of my phone, it has a whole thing on on screen time. And so I'm clicking on mine now and it will tell me exactly how much time I spend looking at my phone. And it'll even track it by category. Like how much time social networking, how much time reading and getting access to references. Mm -hmm. And then it'll also compare that screen time to the average amount of screen time people um, Americans get and also compare it to my screen time over time. So if I want to change it, first I got to see how much time am I really spending looking at that screen. So that's step one. Okay, so before we move on to step two, that sounds phenomenal. I like the idea of getting your own baseline. Yeah. And the software you're talking about is built into your smartphone. Right. It's not something that we built here. So what we recommend to our listeners is look at your own smartphone phone and determine if you have this kind of software. And if you don't, there are apps that you can download and try. We're not going to name specific ones here, but you can test them out, vet them in the ways we've suggested in our prior episodes. And of course, do this for yourself first Mm -hmm. before you recommend it to a patient. Yep. So step two is pay attention to how screen time may be impacting your mood and your sleep in your activity. Mm. So there's a few ways you can do that. So of course you can have your screen time tracker there unless you know, just get get a baseline. And then if your goal is, hey, you know, uh, maybe maybe if you're spending six hours a day like the average uh, senior in high school, maybe you say, hey, maybe maybe I want to cut it down to five hours or whatever your goal may be. That that's that's the that's the next step. The next step after that is to maybe start tracking your mood and tracking your sleep. Your your yes. phone automatically tracks your activities like steps if you're carrying it all throughout the day. But there's also lots of other really great inexpensive 
fairly accurate wearable trackers. So you can start to see when I'm looking at the internet for six hours a day, how many steps do I get in? How was my sleep that night? How did I really feel. Chances are you might feel pretty happy in the moment while you're watching cat videos, but it doesn't create long-term fulfillment or happiness and definitely impacts your sleep and activity. I like that, the insight building Mm -hmm. and that there are different types of screen usage. Looking at cat videos, we know from the research, is more beneficial to your mood than looking at the news. There's a wealth of research indicating that it takes several minutes to recover your prior mood state and anxiety level after reading the news. So just developing that awareness for yourself and then after you've done these kinds of activities, helping your patients with the same thing. Right. Yeah. And also the other thing is knowing that all screen time is not equal. In Dr. Twangy's book, she talked about different types of screen time. Chances are many of you spend the majority of your day for work or homework in front of a screen. That did not seem to have the impact that just general kind of social media, gaming, texting, video chat had, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, When I was uh, listening to her presentation and talking with her over dinner, um, I thought... Braggart. What about, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, humble brag, name drop. Um, <laughs> by the way, she is just a pleasure to speak with. So bright, so wonderful. Anyways, I thought, oh no, I mean, my job is really mostly in front of a computer. Um, what right? does that mean? And so she did let us know that, hey, look, if it's if it's you're doing your homework, you're doing work, that's just different. It's not that much different than if it was on paper, pencil. That it, It's just this other type of, she called it new media, the, the internet, mm-hmm. social media, texting, video chat, gaming, things like that, that, that seem to have an, an impact. And for our listeners who might have missed our last episode, we'll put the reference to those books in the show notes. Yes. So what's the last thing that I would recommend is to engage in life outside of the digital world, or as Dr. Twingy puts it, let your phone be a tool you use, not a tool that uses you. Help us understand that. It sounds very deep. (laughs) The way I interpret this is that your smartphone is just a tool. There's nothing magical about it, really. The same things that we did on paper pencil is the same thing you use on your smartphone. It's just far more efficient. But the thing is, we're seeing this generation and also, you know, people, people in older generations too, they're living in breathing and living their entire world through this digital world, which it turns out might not be as beneficial as as we thought. Everything you've said, I can come up with specific examples from my life, from my patients' lives. It all fits in with how we live today. Mm -hmm. I want to add a couple more ideas. One is when we're prescribing mobile technology, Mm -hmm. and you've said this before, Christy, I really like this point, is be very specific about how to use it. Right. And then follow up. If you're going to say, I want you to track your moods, don't just prescribe them mood tracker and then that's it. Prescribe them mood tracker and tell them exactly how much or how little to use it. Because if we have someone who might be prone to obsessing about homework or just overusing screens, then here's something they can mentally categorize as, oh, well, this is healthy for me to be on this app. Right. You know, the other thing is just having the awareness when we're talking to adolescents, especially about their screen usage, 
their perceived importance of the social connection to their friends. Right. I think you can think back to your own time as a teen or adolescent and remembering what it was like to be on the phone and the idea of a parent saying, no, you're not going to have that 9 p.m. phone call probably felt like death. Right. It's so important in the moment. So there there are different types and, and be prepared for those kinds of discussions and, and just remember that for our adolescents, connecting with their peers is the single most important thing for many of them. And so it is difficult. It's more than just put down your bubble popping game. We're talking about put down this connection to your peers right. and help them find a different way to connect in addition. Whether it's, hey, this Friday, let's suggest that your friends come over and we'll have pizza and a movie. You know, putting out other ways in real life, IRL, to <laughs> have these connections in addition to the phone connections. I think it's unrealistic to expect our adolescent patients or our adolescent children to completely stop texting friends and connecting on social media programs. Completely. I'm hoping our listeners can get in touch and let us know what suggestions you have for patients, for your own families, for yourself, how to get off screens, or maybe maximize your use of them in beneficial ways. Perhaps that's a better way. We don't want to completely get rid of them. Right. You can connect with us by social media at Military Health and on Facebook and Twitter, but also our email addresses in the show notes. Thank you for sharing Next Generation Behavioral Health on social media and subscribing and rating wherever you get your podcasts. Next Generation Behavioral Health is produced by the Defense Health Agency. 